Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. This is the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to there. I am the traffic anchor and the transportation reporter for Denver 7 News, Jason Luber. If you would like to be on the program here, you could always give me a call at the listener hotline number, 303-832-0217. Of course, it's a free call from anywhere in the United States, maybe from Mexico and Canada if you have the right plan. And of course, I have a WhatsApp number. In the description of the show, if you're in the hitherlands, you can try my WhatsApp number and uh, contact me that way. The other all contact links are there in the description of this show. So let's say you're heading to the airport and you've dealt with the drive and the parking and the long lines and maybe a flight delay and you're finally seated on the plane. Well, let's say in the plane because uh, it's really windy on the plane. So you'd probably be better seated in the plane. All right, so you're in the plane. Now what? A new survey from the Vacationer website asked what Americans are most bothered by when they're in the plane. Now, this survey was based on a poll of just over 1,000 Americans who were asked to pick from a, a list of actions that they found irritating. And here are the top 15. And, and being a top list... Um, we have to start, of course, at the bottom and work our way up to number one. So we'll start at number 15. 13% of uh, the respondents thought that requests too much from the flight attendants. I, I didn't know that people request things too much from the flight attendants. Rarely do I, well, maybe a couple of times you hear the bing bong where somebody's getting something, but that, that doesn't seem to bother me. O- overly affectionate couples. Well, I guess that's why they have the Mile High Club, right? Uh, number 13 uses overhead bin space, many rows in front of the seat. Um, well, look, I, I get that because if you're getting in the, especially the back of the plane, it might be full there, but there's some space as you're trying to get back there. And you're, let's say you're waiting to get back to one of those seats. Cause you're on a Southwest flight where all the other seats have been taken pretty much. And you're trying to get to the back wherever. And so they'll just throw their bag up into one of the empty uh, overhead bins, and then you just keep going, and they'll come get it when they're getting off the plane. I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't get that one too much. Uh, number 12, gets up to use the restroom or stretch too much. Well, 20% responded to that one. I, I, I don't know about too much. Well, if you don't like it so much, then then sit in the window. Sit in the middle. Um, if, if you're bothered by it, well, you're, you're enjoying your seat there on the aisle, and you're going to have to be. It's just like if you're at a a sporting event or the concert or, or whatever. If you're on the aisle, you, people are going to be coming in and out. Sorry. Uh, number 11, flirting with you, passengers, or flight attendants. I, I've never had anybody flirt with me. Um, I have seen somebody flirt with a flight attendant. In fact, I remember this one time, my wife and I were both on this airplane, and this one guy, slime ball guy, actually slips off his wedding ring and is continuing to talk to, I think it was a passenger, maybe it was a flight attendant, but but totally into the hitting on this woman uh, scenario. And it was gross. <laughs> it really was. All right, so now we're up to number 10. Number 10 of, the, of, of, of these actions that annoy airplane passengers the most. Uh, takes off their shoes. Do you know where your shoes have been? The airport. You know what's gross? The airport. Uh, so yeah, taking your shoes off and where are your shoes just laying on it? And then your stinky feet or socks. And they usually put them right there in that crevice as you're in the window. 
uh, seat right there next to your uh, arm and your armrest, it's just awful. Number nine, listens to music or movies too loudly. Now, I never really had a problem with that because the sound of the airplane, just the loudness of the airplane is a pro- is just generally a problem, right? Um, so I, I'm not so sure because I, I have uh, those earbuds that I usually bring because I am electronics guy for the family. So my girls have been better about trying to bring their own headphones, but I... I the, the big headphones that they go over the ear, they were great to, to cancel out all the noise from the airplane. And you can hear your show or your podcast uh, that I listen to on the airplane. You can hear it loud and clear. It's just great. So I just use uh, little earbuds normally because I don't want to carry that because th- I'm only using those headphones basically for the airplane. And why do I want to keep uh, c- carrying that around with me in my backpack for the entire trip? just to use it for a couple hours on the airplane. So uh, I, I just throw all the earbuds in the one bag, put it in the backpack, and off we go. So uh, I don't really know if I've heard too many people, you know, with, with loud earphones or because they usually have the, you know, the big things. Anyway, uh, n- <laughs> number, number eight, boards or deep planes out of turn. Well, that's not, I, 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 there really isn't a turn, right? I mean, maybe when you're getting on the airplane, what does it matter? If everybody has a signed seat, unless you're on a Southwest flight, everybody has an assigned seat. So why does it matter if somebody gets on in the front first or in the back first? I mean, really, they should do it from the back to the front. And and I've always waited. If I have an assigned seat, I like to wait until they kill. This is the last call for everybody getting on the plane. All right. I'll get on the plane last. I'd rather sit out in the in the airport or stand around and walk around rather than being in that seat an extra 15 minutes. Right. I, I mean, the, the plane's not going to leave. It, it, they're going to make that final announcement. So then you just stroll on, put your stuff on and, and, and you fly away. I don't, I don't know what that, why everybody is in such a rush to get on the airplane. I, I don't get, or in the airplane, as I, as I discussed earlier. Uh, all right. Number seven talks to you too much. <laughs> all right. Funny story. I, I, one of our recent flights, a guy next to me, I think he was into, uh, uh wanting, I think he really wanted to talk to me. And so he goes, well, what's bring, what brings you to Omaha? And I said, this plane. <laughs> and I just looked at him. He gave me a couple of blinks, and he put his uh, put his headphones on, and he didn't talk to me the rest of the plane, uh, the flight on the plane there. Uh, so <laughs> that was kind of funny. But then on the return trip, I had this nice couple that was flying from Omaha back to Denver, and they uh, wanted, to, and they started, you know, every so often they would chat it up, and then they ask you what you do, and and so I tell them what I do, and then they want to talk about what I do. But there's times I don't want to talk about what I do, but they think it's interesting what I do. So I talk to them about what I do, and it's it's fine, it's nice, I I guess it's okay. But uh, you, you know, that's there are times I don't want to talk on the plane, and I just want to watch my shows. All right, number six, reclines the seat fully in front of you. That is not a problem on the planes I fly because I'm like on the cheap planes where they don't have the seats anymore that'll fold back. You know, maybe you folks who are flying on uh, in 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 first class, that's a problem for you. Uh, but for me, it's not an issue. All right, now we're at the top five. The top five actions that annoy airplane passengers the most. Number five, hogs the armrests. I, I am usually really good about giving the middle person, the armrest. So I, uh, the way we fly as, as four, my wife and two daughters, they usually sit together in their own row of three so they can fight about the armrest however they want. And then I am the aisle seat across from them. 
And so I have the uh, armrest to my right, to the aisle side, and I always leave the left one open because that person who's in the middle seat, it, it kind of stinks to be in the middle seat. And so I try to be as conscious about that as possible and give that person the, if there's somebody sitting there, I give them the armrest. Um, I, I, typically they use it. I don't know if they use it all the time, but anyway, I try to be really good about that. Uh, number four, eating pungent or foul smelling foods. I'm going to add something else to that. Bringing on board great smelling foods. We were in Memphis one time, guy comes on the airplane, uh, and he brings two barbecued sandwiches. Wow, that really smelled good and made just about everybody on the airplane hungry. So I think it can go both ways. Either you bring stinky fish sandwich and nobody wants it, or you bring in barbecue and everybody wants it. Uh, that, <laughs> it could go either way. Number three, inattentive parents and poor parenting. But you know what? Not every parent that you might think is a poor parent is letting their kid just cry because they want their kid to cry. Parents don't want their kids to cry. I never liked it when my kid was crying, but it's, sometimes it's it's impossible to stop. They, they, the child has, especially if they're really young, they don't understand all the pressure changes that are happening to their ears, and it, it doesn't feel good, and they don't want to be confined. They just want to get up. I mean, it's really, it's a sensory overload in the airplane, and they want to see what's going on, and they want to crawl, and they want to walk around. There's people everywhere, and there's different sights and sounds and smells, and and they don't might not like the loud noises of the airplane, that airplane whoosh sound. I mean, it's really loud in an airplane for a, a, a two- or three, even three-year-old uh, person, child. It, it's going to be somewhat annoying to them, so I don't know. I, I, I guess uh, me being a parent and having tra- traveled with children, I, I usually give them a, a Pretty wide berth for parents getting on an airplane. Number two, smells from poor hygiene or too much cologne or perfume. All right, here's a funny story. Uh, the, the guy uh, work with who um, he's a smoker, and so he would try to mask the uh, smoking smell from his clothes. And he, he comes in off the uh, the back uh, door, so in through the garage. And then, so the door to the studio is closed, and I'm not too far from that studio door, but it's it's closed. But even when he walks in down the hallway, you can still smell his cologne, and it's awful. I can't imagine what it's like in the newsroom with all him around. I, I think they've told him, look, you can't, you can't do that anymore because it stinks, and everybody around you stinks. There was a guy I used to work with in radio uh, at uh, this traffic thing, and he had the worst BO. He would never, I don't know if he ever showered or what, but his BO was uh, tremendously atrocious. And actually this girl that sat next to him said, look, you're going to have to do something about this because I can't stand it anymore. Uh, and, and, And the number one action that annoys airplane passengers the most, it's a tie between Drunk and disruptive and kicking the back of your seat. Yay. <laughs> All right. Um, the drunk and disruptive, that, that's, that, that's been happening for, I think, airports and golf courses have to be the places where it's most socially acceptable to drink in the, it, really, in the middle of the morning, 9 a.m., You'll see people at the bar at the golf course, and you'll see people at the bar at the airport at 9 o'clock in the morning. I don't know what it is about flying, but 
maybe people get nervous or they're on vacation or they're on a work trip and they just don't care uh, and nobody's watching them, but they will go to the bar and have a drink at the airport. And you know what? They they allow you to uh, bring alcohol through the security, right? But, but they always tell you on the airplane that you're not allowed to drink it while on the airplane. Open up those little bottles that you might bring. But they don't say anything about, well, they, they say about maybe consuming your own alcohol. Anyway, but they never say anything about this. Uh, you can go to one of the gift shops and buy your can or, or, or bottle of Coca-Cola or Sprite or, or whatever you want as a mixer. Drink some of that and then pour your uh, alcohol that you brought with you through security into your bottle and boom, you have a cocktail on the plane. Um, and I think a lot of people do that and then they get drunk and they get belligerent and they cause problems on the airplane and then either, either they have to land early or they, uh, they have to, everybody has to wait for this person to get thrown off the airplane because they're being disruptive. And, and you know, I, during the, the whole pandemic and mask wearing issue, uh, that was also very disruptive. I, I think I would put that in also as a tie for number one and the kicking the back of your seat. That really is annoying. Because that dis- directly disrupts your enjoyment, uh, you know. If you can even say it, that say say that you're enjoying uh, a flight from here to there or anywhere. But there you go. That is your list of the top uh, annoying actions of airplane passengers. Um, <laughs> so, so there you have it. You know, it's also interesting at the bottom of the uh, of the list there, uh, the list of uh, none of these was actually 11.57%. said <laughs> none of these are are the most annoying and so I wonder what they were. If they had some other choice that wasn't on the list or they just they're just not bothered by anything and and nothing really irritates them and they're just casual cool uh, passengers. All right, on the show today, I, I thought I'd go through a couple of my latest questions to come into the driving you crazy mailbag. Uh, because I think they have wide appeal to people that listen from around the country and and, and really ar- around the world. This, this is the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. So the first one comes from Charlie in Niowat, Colorado, which is uh, up near Boulder. And he writes to me saying, I have a question about driver visibility. People hanging things on the rear view mirror like handicapped parking permits. Can't they be ticketed for that? It says on the placard to remove when driving. Well, Charlie, it's it really is common to see people driving around with all kinds of things hanging from their rear view mirror, like parking permits and ID lanyards and air fresheners and graduation tassels and dream catchers and, of course, large fuzzy dice. They're, they're, those are some of the most common items hanging from the rear view mirror. And in my first car, a 1975 Plymouth Fury, I adorned my rear view mirror with this um, this stuffy. Uh, the stuffed animal thing. It was a very large corn doll figure of Lee J. Cobb. Uh, there's an actor, Lee J. Cobb. You can look him up. And maybe you just do a search of uh, corn doll figure Lee J. Cobb, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Um, I, I actually have a link to it from the uh, original story in on Denver7.com. That's where you can find all of my driving you crazy stories because they're different than these podcasts. Uh, episodes where I usually do interviews. They actually, I do uh, stories for TV that don't end up on the podcast and and vice versa. So you'll see all my driving crazy stories on denver7.com. You go on the left side menu and then down the way, you'll see Denver 7 traffic and you click that. And then at the top, it'll say driving you crazy. And you can see all my driving you crazy stories. And on this one, on this story, you can see the uh, picture as I have a link 
to uh, Lee J. Cobb. <laughs> and it was silly. Look, I was 16, and it was silly, and it was a distraction, especially when I made a turn. It was swing across much of the front windshield. Uh, and my uh, my uncle, my dad's brother, thought it was one of the funniest things he's ever seen. And I didn't. <laughs> Look, I was young and stupid, and I, I didn't care. Anyway. Uh, when I was reading through the uh, Colorado Revised Statutes about this, it doesn't specifically indicate that hanging something from the rearview mirror is illegal. The statute only says in Section 4 that no vehicle shall be operated upon any highway unless the driver's vision through any required glass equipment is normal and unobstructed. And since Charlie lives up in Iowa, I talked with Sergeant Bill Christ with the Boulder County Sheriff's Office, and he tells me, it's not a common offense that they write tickets for and that a view that is normal and unobstructed is open for interpretation as one person or one police officer may see one violation differently than another. And exactly how much of the driver's view is obstructed and what it means to be obstructed is open to interpretation. Now, according to the website, Rear View Mirror Glue, <laughs> there is such a thing as I found in my research, uh, a police officer is not authorized to stop any vehicle in the following scenario. If they don't have any grounds or evidence that the hanging object from the rear view is materially obstructing the driver's view and the officer fails to prove that the hanging object impairs the driver's vision. However, on that same website, they indicate that the obstruction law supported police in a case known as Calm versus Shabazz. I have a link to that also in this story, if you find it on denver7.com. Now, in that case, the driver was caught, or stopped really, with a car that had a combination of multiple tree pine tree air fresheners, you know those, the ones that can hang there, and uh, three by three inch foam dice all hanging from the rearview mirror. Now, in that case, the officer gave a reasonable explanation that the defendant was in violation of the statute and that the hanging things were obstructing the driver's view. Now, Sergeant Chris told me that common sense is usually our best friend here when trying to make these decisions, as some folks have so much stuff hanging from the rearview mirror that it becomes obvious that their view across the windshield uh, would be hampered, like with those fuzzy dice or a lot of tags, and, and it could potentially become a hazard. Now, some folks may have, for example, their high school diploma tassel hanging from the rearview mirror, and something like that would not be a reason to, to in initiate a traffic stop, especially for that offense, because the tassel is very thin, the amount of area that would be covered of the windshield would not lead an officer to determine that that is really obstructing the view of the driver. But most everything manufactured specifically to hang from the rearview mirror, like that handicap placard you mentioned, Charlie, should have a liability disclaimer attached to it, stating that the item should be removed before driving. That way, it doesn't become a hazard to the driver because that big placard is pretty large. And if it's free swinging, it can swing in front of your view and block the view of the driver. And Sergeant Chris tells me this is an area of traffic law that allows for quite a bit of discretion by the officer that might be initiating a stop. He says it also comes into play with windshields that are cracked, some to a point where the operator's vision is clearly compromised. Again, discretion becomes a factor here. And each case has to be assessed on an individual basis. So, like, say, a simple crack going across the windshield, maybe at the very bottom. 
it, it, you know, not across the primary viewing area of the windshield, maybe not constitutes an obstruction. However, let's say a windshield has been smashed by a rock or a baseball or something like that to the point where the site, you can't see through it adequately enough uh, through your windshield. So you really can see clearly. Well, then maybe a traffic stop would be warranted for obstruction of view. Now, the same officer discretion would come into play with a driver who installed, let's say, a dash cam or one of those cell phone holders on their windshield. I have one of those. Uh, I actually have both of those in my car. The cell phone holder, um, it, 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 it's distracting. I know my wife doesn't like driving my car when it's on there, even when there's no phone in there, because to her, it is blocking part of her view. And it, I guess, honestly, it does. But uh, the dash cam, like many of them, like the one I have, it's actually hidden behind the rear view mirror, making it minimal to negligent of as a distraction because I, I see the rear view mirror. I don't even see the dash cam, but there are dash cams that, that are hanging either lower or on the da- or actually on the dash, not even on the windshield. Um, but those could be a distraction. Um, but definitely as a distraction are those uh, dash or the cell phone holders on the windshield and, and especially if you put a cell phone in there. And you're watching, let's say, a soccer match or something like that. Uh, Besides objects hanging from the mirrors uh, being a visual distraction, according to Scott's Fort Collins Auto, anything you hang from the rearview mirror could actually cause damage because most of the rearview mirrors are attached to the windshield with nothing more than just some heavy-duty glue. And it's more than enough to keep the mirror in place under normal circumstances, but let's say you start hanging things on there, some things that might be big, especially heavy, that glue could loosen over time and bring down the entire rear view mirror. And by the way, any person violating uh, that rule about unobstructed uh, view commits a Class A traffic infraction, at least here in Colorado. It's subject to a $35 penalty plus a $10 surcharge. And since they say it's a non-moving violation, no points are assessed against the license and tickets can be paid by mail or you can, of course, always go in front of a judge and dispute the charge. So basically, you're not supposed to have anything on the windshield. Okay, so here's a story. There's this little town. It's about one square mile. It's it's called Lakeside, Colorado. It's on the west side of Metro Denver. And it's a tiny little town. And, and they make a lot of revenue for their town by writing tickets to people. And they pull people over religiously for a chip in your windshield, a crack, anything even a handicap placard that's hanging from the uh, the rearview mirror, they will pull drivers over for anything and then write them a ticket and make them show up to court and pay the fine because that's how that little town makes uh, a, a good part of their town revenue. Um, and they are vigilant about And I, I had a crack in a windshield one time, and I made sure I drove around that. I took blocks away from that main road where they pull people over because I know that, um, that they pull people over. And I, I would just steer clear of them. So there you go, uh, Charlie. There's, <laughs> there's your answer. And the other question I wanted to get to was from Jean Ann in Broomfield, Colorado, who write, writes to me. Saying, hello, Jason, at the former Safeway in Westminster, the stop signs are still there. My question is, if the Safeway is not in business, do people still have to stop at the stop signs? Half of the people stop and half of the people don't, so I'm curious. Well, this answer might surprise you, Jean Ann. No, you don't have to stop at that stop sign, and it's not because the Safeway is closed. It's actually a private parking lot. So the owner of the shopping center, in this case it's Gart Properties, 
they put up the signs, as do all the uh, shopping center owners around the country. They put up the signs as a request for drivers to stop. The signs are there to make really a general warning to drivers in the shopping center that people will be walking in and out of the stores and to watch out for them. It doesn't matter that the Safeway store is empty, that it's closed or not. The stop sign is a suggestion and not required by law. Now, when I went out to that former Safeway shopping center, I wanted to take a look for myself and see what kind of a problem it really is. And I counted, on average, nine out of every ten drivers blowing right past all of the stop signs. And they had a bunch of them set up in front of the store. And my guess is that people who aren't stopping, they probably don't know the private parking lot rules. And they just run the stop sign because the store is empty. And they probably don't know, in general, that these you can ignore these type of stop signs. It's private property. And it's this private property situation that also allows for funny speed limit signs with fractions. There's a couple of Highlands Ranch shopping centers. I did a story on this a while back. You could also see that on uh, Denver7.com. I think if you just search KMGH speed limit fractions, uh, you do that search and uh, you'll see it. You'll see the story pop up. But there's a couple of uh, south side Metro Denver shopping centers with these speed limits that are, I think it was like seven and a half or you know, 13 and a half or three quarters, something silly like that. But because it's a private parking lot, they can put these funny speed limits in their shopping centers. Uh, it's the same thing with gated communities. There's a gated community uh, that they have like a 32 mile an hour speed limit sign instead of 30 or 35, which are traditional, right? So because it's a private parking lot or private uh, uh, property, same thing in those private uh, gated communities. So once you get in there, those stop signs are just general rules. You don't actually have to stop at that stop sign. Um, it, it, they are Those speed limits are general rules. You don't have to obey that speed limit. It, it, it is common to see these stop signs in front of grocery stores or, or shopping centers, anywhere where there's a big box store, whether it's a, a Best Buy or a Home Depot or whatever. But every one of these stop signs, since they're on private property, are not enforceable by local police. Even if a police officer was stopped at the sign across from you, they see you run the stop sign. They won't write you a ticket. Now, before you start blowing through these stop signs with reckless abandon, you do need to watch out for people because hitting someone is a crime. And there are also other laws that police can enforce on private property, like reckless driving, like parking in a fire lane, uh, handicapped parking violations, DUI, and running people over coming out of a shopping, <laughs> out of a store in a shopping center. Also, if you committed a traffic or other illegal offense on a public street, you pull into a private parking lot, police can continue to pursue you onto that property and contact you. Now, here in Colorado, according to the Colorado Lawyer Team, our laws provide police with the authority to arrest a person, get this, for DUI even while parked in a vehicle, even while sleeping, and even on private property. It's because of a legal concept known as actual physical control, and it refers to having the ability to drive the vehicle even if it's not being driven at that time. Basically, if you are sitting in the driver's seat, you have no intention of actually driving, you could still get a DUI while you're parked because you have the capacity, you have the capability of driving at that time. And, and whether you're going to be convicted is, is really completely decided by the circumstances of your case, but officers will look for certain factors as if 
like w- where the vehicle were found, where you were seated in the vehicle, where the keys are, you know, in the old style keys, if they were in the ignition, that's one thing. But if you have a key fob now that you can start the car with a key fob anywhere in the car a- and whether or not the vehicle was, was running and where you were sitting while the vehicle is running. Now, these rules apply in parking lots, on roadways and even on private land. Interesting story. I was doing a ride-along with a police officer at one of the local uh, police agencies, and and he liked to run license plates in the Target parking lot. What he would do is he would profile vehicles, and he would say, oh, that, that," honestly, he would say that that one looks sketchy, and he would run the license plate, and if it came back clean, he'd move on to the next one, the next one, and he would wait till he found a plate where the owner of the car uh, had a warrant or some other issue. And then he would go around the corner of the shop, uh, of the store and he would basically just hang out and wait and watch people coming in and out and watch for the person to come out of the store, get to that, you know, get into the car. He would, he would then get ready. He would watch the person get into the car, pull out onto the public road. And then the officer would pull the driver over. Now in our case, the uh, driver came up to a stop signal, a, you know, a, a traffic light, and it was red, and just kind of did a rolling right turn instead of stopping because you, you technically have to stop at the at the light, and then you can make your right turn, not just do a rolling stop and keep on going. So that's when he lit him up, pulled him over, and said, "You have a warrant," and so I pulled you over for running that stop sign stoplight. You have a warrant uh, against you, and you can't drive this vehicle, and so you're going to have to get picked up. And it was it was a hassle for this guy, and and so uh, <laughs> you know, anyway. But that's what he he, he really liked to do. Um, but he had to wait until that offender was on the public streets to pull him over. He couldn't do it there. Uh, I guess if there was some kind of major crime, let's say he was looking for a murder suspect, sure, you're going to arrest the person on private property. Uh, but he waited for this person to get on the public road, and then he pulled this person over. Uh, but remember, even though you're not going to get a ticket for stopping at for, for not stopping at these, these parking lot stop signs, the people that are crossing the street expect you as if you're a driver to stop at these signs, especially outside an active and busy store because hitting a person with your car in a private parking lot or not is extremely serious for the pedestrian and for you, the driver. <laughs> so, even though it's it's okay, you're, it's not a, it's not illegal. It's not technically a crime. You're not going to get a ticket for running those stop signs. You got to watch out for the people because they expect you to stop. And if you don't stop, then they're going to stare at you and the whole thing. And they because they think you're supposed to stop, but most people don't know this rule. So there you go. Now now you know. Now you know the run is the same way basically all the way across the country. And I'd love to hear your driving you crazy questions. You can always send it to me on any of the contact links. In the description of this show, including the uh, listener hotline at 303-832-0217, or of course my WhatsApp number or any of the contact links there in the description of this show. Next week, an interesting conversation I'm going to have about timing of traffic signals. Uh, here in Denver, they, they try to time the signals so traffic keeps flowing, but for some reason they just can't get it right on certain roads. Such is life. Uh, but there is a company out of California that's trying to use technology to prioritize a traffic signal to allow buses and to get through the traffic lights a little bit faster, and especially first responders to get through the lights faster, as I understand it. I'll ask him about it uh, next time. 
but uh, as I understand it, they, they can do the signals where the signals will be ahead of them and turn green, and then they can keep blowing through it. Because there is something called the Opticon sensor, where you have, you've seen those strobe lights on the top of uh, ambulances or, or fire trucks, and that strobe light will trigger uh, the traffic light to turn green, but the strobe light has to be close enough to do that. They think uh, this company called Light, L-Y-T is how they spell it, they, they say that they have this technology that could do it faster and farther ahead. I think that's that's how it works. Anyway, uh, I'll uh, ask him all of that and how it works and, and if it really does help the uh, first responders. Anyway, thanks again for being here. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Luber, the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.